Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Angel Stadium. And I looked this up in, in Anaheim, California. I said California the first night. I said Los Angeles last night. Let's be honest, it's in Anaheim, all right? That'd be like, that'd be like saying the Richfield Coliseum was in Cleveland. It wasn't really in Cleveland. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Richfield Coliseum was the old Cavs arena that was out in the suburbs. Anyways, the final... It's the LA Angels 6, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm David Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And this might have been the most uninspiring game of baseball the Cleveland Guardians have played all season. I was, this one flew, didn't it? It was over in two hours and four minutes. I mean, it really... <laughs> I looked up from my phone, and I was like, oh my god. God, it's, this thing's already in the, what, the eighth inning? This thing's over. And uh, I, I'm very uninspiring offense. The Guardians manage four hits. Uh, the Angels add some hits late and uh, another home run. Uh, but everything scored via home run. There were no rallies. There were no exciting plays. There were no close throws. There were... I, were there even any stolen base attempts? Uh, I don't think in this one because there wasn't anybody on base to try to steal. So uh, it was a really, really kind of boring game. And we shouldn't be surprised that a game against the Angels comes down to home runs because they are uh, third in baseball and lead the American League tied with the Tampa Bay Rays for third place overall in baseball, first in the American League when it comes to home runs at 206. The Los Angeles Dodgers are in first or in second place with 221. The Atlanta Braves are in first place with 273 home runs. Just unbelievable how they are outpacing the league when it comes to home runs. But uh yeah, the LA Angels are third in baseball. However, however, when you look at their team totals here in home runs. Otani obviously hitting 44 home runs so far this season helps that total number out, but they're missing Otani. They're missing Brandon Drury as 20, Hunter Renfro who had 19, Mike Trout who had 18, Luis Renifo who had 16, Taylor Ward who had 14, Mickey Moniak who had 13, Matt Dice who hits one tonight uh, would be your current leader on the team. Uh, with, uh, let's see, it looks like he had nine coming into the game. Uh, was this his, oh no, this was his ninth. Okay. So that's updated. Okay. So they hit four home runs tonight, uh, including Dice's ninth. Um, yeah. So the guys that are healthy aren't necessarily the guys, uh, the reason they have 206 home runs on the season, right? Uh, the guys that are in there tonight, this isn't necessarily their game to just be bombing like crazy. And yet, and yet, uh, you know, team philosophy, it works. It works. Uh, they get three home runs off Giolito, and then they get a home run. Gritchick gets one off Xavier Curry on a pitch that was definitely supposed to be a pitch out. Andre straight up asked Tito after the game, and he he said very clearly, yeah, I, that was absolutely supposed to be a pitch out. In fact, I was looking at the runner because I was not expecting contact. That was Tito's direct quote there. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they asked Curry about it. I don't know if they, they got him or Fry on the mic at all. 
I would be interested to know if Curry didn't get the signal that it was supposed to be a pitch out, that he was throwing a fastball away. Um, I wonder because of the pitch com thing, like it, I, I don't know if there's extra beeps and boops and what whatever he hears in his ear to let him know fastball away, but actually this is a pitch out. I, I don't know what he hears. Does he hear pitch out in his hat in his hat? Uh in his ear? Or does he hear some something else uh to let him know that it's supposed to be a pitch out? So uh, I I want I wonder if it's a pitch com miscommunication because uh I mean Curry looked like he was throwing that. Uh, if we go over to the illustrator here, let's take a look at the uh, home runs. Uh, it's just a straight up normal old fastball away just off the plate. Even Grichik seemed unsure about it. When he swung at it, he hesitates at home plate, uh, kind of wondering if he just lined this one foul. And even Grichik seemed surprised that he hit it out for a home run. While we're talking about the play, Ramon Laureano ran himself into the outfield wall, jammed his hand into the outfield wall. Tito said it was more the thumb than the wrist and that uh, he was already feeling a little better uh, after the game. So he's probably going to be fine. I'm sure they'll do x-rays on it. Uh, Hopefully they're negative. Uh, I know some of you are probably hoping those at-bats go to somebody else. So maybe maybe you're not hoping they're negative. But we never wish injury at someone. We never want it like that. Um, so that sucks for Ramon Laureano, uh, and it's a home run and Curry, uh, didn't throw the pitch out. So it's pretty bad all the way around there. Uh, and that definitely made this thing out of reach Four two. You're thinking, man, guardians could still draw a walk and maybe hit one out to tie the game. Uh, at six to two, this game was pretty out of hand. Um, the home runs Giolito gave up, uh, in the first inning, it's a fastball out over the plate to Logan Ohop. Uh, they talked about him after the game too. And Francona said he's a player that they heard a lot about, uh, in, you know, earlier in the season and that he's a big, strong dude. Um, so he takes a high fastball. It's up and away on an 0-1 count and drives it out to right center field, 100.8 miles per hour, 32 degree launch angle. Uh, Brett Phillips just gets a fastball middle, middle. I mean, right down the pipe. Uh, it was first pitch of the at-bat. He'd been trying to hit the top of the strike zone all... This is Giolito here. Had been trying to hit the top of the strike zone pretty much all day to start at-bats. He was throwing high fastballs, a ton of first pitch at-bats. In fact, I could tell you. Uh, let's go to the count breakdown. I could tell you exactly how many fastballs he threw to start at-bats. 12 batters he starts with a fastball. Uh, five, he starts with a slider and eight, he starts with a changeup. So just under 50%, 48% of the batters start with a fastball. Um, so yeah, uh, this one is just right down the pipe. Uh, what are you, what are you going to do? I, uh, you, you can't be throwing it there. Um, uh, and Brett Phillips, the number nine hitter makes him pay. Uh, was this been a running theme where the number nine hitters have just been terrorizing us? And then uh, Tice kind of gets a hanging change up. On the Illustrator, it looks a little low in real life, you know, below the belt. In real life, this looks like it was pretty much middle of the plate. And Tice uh, absolutely drives this thing 97.2 miles per hour, 33 degree launch angle uh, in the fourth inning on an 0 0 count. So another first pitch uh, home run. 
Now, it's not to take anything away from the Guardians, who hit home runs. Jose Ramirez hits one on a cutter from Tyler Anderson that's pretty much middle-middle, and he drives it at 103 miles per hour out to dead center field to start the scoring in the first inning. It was nice to see Jose get that home run. He hadn't homered since the Blue Jays series uh, back on the uh, August 26th and 27th. He had homers in both games, and it kind of went on like a two-week uh, dry spell without any home runs. So nice to see him launch one again. And then uh, Josh Naylor uh, on an o, a first pitch of the at-bat uh, gets a sinker uh, that kind of comes a little up and in on him. And inside pitches, man, he can turn on him. It hits this one at 105.8, 24-degree launch angle. This thing's a missile. I think it was the lowest launch angle of any home run uh, hit in the game. And because uh, I think the the uh, Toronto or the uh, Toronto guys, the Angels guys were all up around 32 degree launch angles. Yeah. Wow. They're all Ohop's 32 degree launch angle. Grichik's 32 degree launch angle. Phillips 32 degree launch angle. Thice's 33 degree launch angle. So this was the biggest kind of line shot of all the home runs hit. But you go inside on Josh Naylor. He's going to make you pay for it. So, I mean, it's great that the Guardians hit some home runs. It's great that we were flashing a little power. It was the hardest hit ball of the day at 105.8. But, I mean, two solo home runs. They put up some crooked number home runs. They, well, It's not enough. Solo home runs are not enough. Um, Ramirez was would have been a home run in 23 out of 30 ballparks. O'Hops would have been a home run in 18 out of 30. Uh, Naylor's was only 14 out of 30. It would have been a home run. It would have been a home run at home, though, at Progressive Field. Uh, Grichik's, uh, or Phillips, I'm sorry. Phillips was 30 out of 30. Uh, Tice's was only 7 out of 30. It would not have been a home run at Progressive Field. Um, it only went 340. No, where is it here? I just lost it. Sorry about that. Tice's went 376. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last one of the day. Uh, Grichik's would have been 21 out of 30 ballparks down that right field line there. Uh, I did think it was funny that Ramon Laureano did fly out uh, in the sixth inning, and they say it would have been a home run in one out of 30 ballparks. Uh, And guess where? Yankee Stadium with that Little League right field. I'm telling you. Uh, I just thought that was funny. I saw one out of 30 ballparks. Of course, Yankee Stadium. Of course. Um, So, yeah. So... Their power beats our power. Uh, there's nothing else to talk about on offense. There's there's nothing else. Two other singles from Guardians hitters, from Ramirez and Andres Jimenez. He goes with the lineup of Miles Straw and Cam Gallagher again. I told you. I told you he wouldn't give Bo Naylor a chance again against a lefty. I wanted him to. It clearly couldn't have been any worse than what we got. In fact, he pinch hits for Gallagher late in the game. I believe it's the eighth inning, still in there against Anderson. He pinch hits David Fry to kick off the eighth inning. If you're going to Fry for offense at that point in the game, why not start him? Why not start him? At this point in the season, Gallagher isn't really doing anything defensively that's like winning you ball games. That that's really improving the pitching or anything like that. So why not put David Fry out there? He's proved very competent as a catcher. In fact, better than Zanino. Um, 
And they, and he, you know, you let him cook for a little bit. He finds a way to get on base. He finds a way to get hits. He he would have been a much more uh, better offensive choice. And instead, you've got uh, Tyler Freeman hitting fifth behind Ramon Laureano. Like this lineup just didn't make sense. Wouldn't you rather have seen Fry in there batting fifth, and he could have dropped Tyler Freeman down to maybe bat eighth or ninth? Like it just. Uh, Strong Gallagher give you nothing. They give you nothing at the bottom of the lineup. So once again, Francona does us no favors here with the lineup he puts on the field. All right. Uh, so let's talk a little Giolito uh, versus Anderson. In fact, I got I got some interesting things about both of them. Uh, Giolito, despite the three home runs, actually pitches a decent game. Goes seven innings pitched. Four hits, four earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts for Giolito. Three home runs on 92 pitches. He is hard hit. Oh, boy, it's a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. All right, so for Giolito, what's impressive is that, I mean, the swing and miss was really there. If we go to his player breakdown page, the changeup was working, and he threw it 42 times. So, yeah, he was trying to throw that fastball first, but then a lot of changeups off of it. Uh, 50% whiff rate on that changeup. It looked like at first he was throwing it a little low, but once he got it there, um, he gets a 50% whiff rate, a 43% CSW total on the pitch. Uh, so that's nice to see. It was a 35% whiff rate total on the day for uh, Giolito. This at least was a competent start. And he, and he ate innings. You know, he did that thing that we asked him to do. He ate innings. Um, so that's nice to see. Uh, let's see where these strikeouts were for him. Nine strikeouts, and that's a lot. A four, we got four changeups um, down to the arm side of the plate. You know, that's the way the changeup breaks, so I'm not shocked to see four strikeouts off the plate there. All all chasing. Oh, no, one was a called strike. Ooh. Kieran, Price, per, Kieran Paris might have an argument there. That one looks a little off the plate. Um and the other three were all swinging strikes. He's got uh, two chase sliders way out of the zone. Uh, a couple of fastballs. One was a, a called strike uh, in right in the heart of the plate to Cabbage. Uh, one was on the edge, the glove side of the plate to Thice. And then someone went up the ladder. Mustakis went up the ladder and chased a fastball up there. So nice, uh, nice combination, too. I mean, we got four changeups down and off the plate. We've got two sliders down and off the plate. And then couple of challenge fastballs and one up way above the strike zone. Um, so it's a good combination from him there, uh, getting those strikeouts. But, I mean, those home runs, two of them are middle-middle. Two of them are middle-middle, kind of hanging pitches, good old-fashioned meatballs. Uh, and then Ohop went up and got one. I guess what we could say about that one, it was, it was out over the plate, and the big, strong Ohop uh, was able to really lean back and drive it. Uh, so, I, again, I... I don't think it's a terrible performance from Giolito. Uh, it it kind of doesn't mean anything because I just I don't think there's really a, f- a future for Giolito per se. So it's literally just eating innings and protecting rookie arms at this point in the game. In fact, I, I, it's kind of basically taken Xavier Curry out of the rotation. And I, I don't think there was ever an official announcement about that or anything like that. But he does go into relief tonight and pitches the eighth inning and gives up that two home run on run home run on what should have been a pitch out. So it's pretty clear that Xavier Curry isn't going to get another start maybe un- unless something happens with a- with another injury or, Cal- you know, Giolito just 
DFAing him or something like that. If everything stays the course for the rest of the season, it doesn't look like Curry's going to get another start. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they piggyback him off one of the other rookies just to... If, if it gets to the point where we're really just eliminated and it's done uh, to save innings on those guys' arms, uh, if Curry maybe piggybacks on them after three innings so that they, they stay engaged but they don't have to work as hard uh, and eat up as many innings as the season winds down. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how they use Curry. Uh, clearly, still useful member of the team. So, uh, Tyler Anderson, we should just talk about for a second because he gave a surprisingly good performance. Uh, for a guy who is 5-6 and six on the season with a 5.49 ERA, he looked like a really good pitcher against us. Eight innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, both on solo home runs, one walk, four strikeouts. He is hard hit. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Uh, I know Josh Naylor's got a bone to pick uh, with a hard hit ball he had. Uh, this was with Jose Ramirez on base. What point in the game was this? Uh, it was after the home run. Was it his last at bat? Oh, it was only at 75.5? Jeez, I'm telling you, man, the TV is fooling me these days. After Ramirez singled with two outs in the eighth, I thought he hit this ball harder. But just because Mustakas was holding the runner on the base, maybe, and looked so close to the play, uh, it's only a 75.5 mile per hour line out, but it's right at Mustakas. Uh, only had a 300 expecting batting average. Okay, I'm wrong. I thought he hit that one harder than that. Um, but yeah, uh, Anderson does a really good job of controlling the game. He he gets a lot of ground ball outs. Uh, I was I was surprised how many times the Guardians were beating the ball into the ground. Nine ground ball outs to four fly ball outs. And I went and looked at his stat cast page. He's not a ground ball pitcher. This, this isn't really his forte. Uh, he's... 30.8% ground balls. That's it. He's 34% flyball pitcher. He's more of a flyball pitcher. Uh, yeah, he's above league average for line drives, too. And pop-ups, for what that's worth. Uh, so much more stuff in the air. Meanwhile, the Guardians were grounding out a lot. A lot of stuff. Uh, when I go over back to the Illustrator, look at the spray chart. A lot of stuff was hit uh, down to the left side to short and third. Got a ton of ground outs over there. And then a couple to first base. Um, so, yeah. So, the Guardians, uh, it, it just didn't feel like they were making competitive at-bats. Uh, I guess there were some decent hard-hit balls mixed in here. But it didn't. It felt like Anderson kind of had us off balance all night. You know, he does that funky delivery where he kind of double pumps the leg. He's a very weird pitcher to watch. I don't know if that affects the hitters as much in the batter's box as it affects us at home when we're just used to seeing the same thing over and over again. And then you get a guy with a little bit of a funky windup, and you're like, ooh, it's going to throw off the timing. I, I don't know how much that actually affects the hitters or if they're just, you know, you have to come to the same place to release the ball as everybody else eventually. Uh, and it's, it's not like a Dontrell Willis where they kind of, turn their back and hide the pitch until the very last second. I don't think that's what Anderson's doing. It's just a timing thing. So uh, it, it clearly worked against us. Uh, it's not been a great season for him, but it's a pretty good start for him right here. I actually wonder, while, while I'm on a StatCast page, has he gone uh, eight innings before this season? Let's see here. I don't see it yet. 
No, this is the deepest he's gone into a game all season. So, pretty good start for him. Uh, all right, that's all my thoughts on this one. I, I mean, I've given you as much as I can here, but the Guardians didn't give us very much to work with. They didn't give us very much to talk about. Uh, I do have some emails here. Uh, Jeff with a G, Jeff in Columbus says, Hi, Davey. I was watching some YouTube clips of past Guardians games and noticed how amazing Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie were when they had their stuff. It got me thinking about next season's starting rotation and its potential. If everyone is healthy, we could possibly have Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, Williams, Allen, Quantrill, Curry, and whoever is coming up from AAA Columbus, Espino, Cantillo, that is some quality arms to choose from. I guess the question will be is whether anyone gets packaged and dealt away and who is moved to the pen for long relief and spot starts. What does your crystal ball say about our starting rotation next year? Thanks for the podcast. Fingers crossed for some more West Coast wins. Yeah, we still got a series with San Francisco coming up against after this. So more West Coast games in our future. My crystal ball for next year. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, it seems like Bieber and Tristan McKenzie both kind of avoided surgeries and stuff like that. It seems like the rehab has helped. Everything we're hearing from facing live batters is that it's going well. They haven't gone on rehab starts yet, but it seems like facing live batters is going well at least. So there's that. Um, it will be interesting to see if they keep someone like, uh, Giolito around. If he would sign on again, um, or they look for another veteran to maybe just protect against injury. You know, the, the concern is Bybee, Williams, and Allen have all pitched more than they've ever pitched before. So how are their arms going to respond over the winter and coming back in the spring? Uh, yeah, they've they've got. I, I don't. Ooh, I don't know if they're going to even trade from this pitching depth here. They do. They have a lot of guys here. Um, It'll be interesting to see how do they feel about Quantrill. Do they, do they, like, is he a risk of being non-tendered, a contract? Uh, don't forget they still have uh, what's his name, Plesac down there, Triple A too. Uh, he's still hanging around. They'd have to tender him a contract. They they could non-tender him, and Plesac could just be free to sign with somebody else uh, after this season. Uh, if they don't want, I think they'd have to go to arbitration with him, even if he's still down at AAA. I'm not exactly sure how that works since he's down at AAA now. Uh, they, they do have a problem where they've got too many starting pitchers. I think you'll, I think Curry is probably a safe bet to stay in the bullpen as a long reliever. And, um, you know, he's proven to them that he can ramp it up if they need him to start and then he can cool it back off to go back into the bullpen. So I wouldn't be shocked if that's the move. And then, I, I, honestly, I could. If you want to go with the talent, I I don't know if Quantrill has the talent that those first five names you mentioned have: Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, Williams, Allen. The question with Bieber is they never let pitchers walk. They didn't let Carrasco walk. They didn't let Kluber walk. They didn't let uh, Trevor Bauer walk. They didn't let Carlos Carrasco walk. I already said Carrasco. Uh, who's the guy that went to San Diego with the long hair? You know who I'm talking about. It's late. Uh, they don't let pitchers walk. Clevenger. So 
I mean, even some relievers they don't let walk, all right? Remember, they were able to get Clevenger for, uh, what's his name, the setup man. Oh, man, I'm really having trouble pulling names now after midnight here. Um, and he was terrible for L.A., and it was a disaster for them. And Clevenger turns into this great starter for us. So they don't even let some relievers walk. They get something for him. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide with Bieber. Because if, if they can get something for him at this point with the injury history, it's going to be really hard to offer him a huge contract until he proves he can stay healthy for a full season. I would love it if Bieber sticks around for another few years. I would love it if he figures out how to pitch with a 92, 93 mile per hour fastball, continues to use that wicked off-speed stuff, continues to locate that fastball effectively like he's done his whole career, and... We keep rolling with him as our ace. It'd be a lot of fun. I just, their history shows they know how to walk away from a pitcher before it's too late. And uh, and all those guys did not go on to have great success after they left Cleveland. I think a lot of teams regret those trades probably. So it'll be interesting. Bieber is the biggest question mark there. So my crystal ball? If you had to make me guess, my guess is maybe they find something for Bieber and you're looking at Bybee, Williams, a McKenzie coming back from injury, uh, Allen and Quantrill with, with Curry and Long Relief, with Espino and Cantillo down at Columbus and with maybe even a Giolito taking a minor league invite to spring training. It might come down to that. So thank you for the question, Jeff with a G, Jeff from Columbus. Uh, Marlon got his email in quick. He, re- he realized I'm doing these uh, episodes quick after the end of these West Coast games. So he was on it right after the game ended. Uh, he said, I can't wait for this season to finally be over. This was a dull and uninspiring performance, and it looked as if the Guardians simply went through the motions tonight. Giolito pitched well for the most part, but surrendering three homers is no bueno, and this sealed his fate. It's too bad the offense, except for the solo homers by J.R.M. and Josh Naylor, were a complete no-show and offered very little support. Um, He asked, why did Giolito get credit for four earned runs instead of three? Because Tyler Freeman's error did let um, that runner on. It kind of extended that first inning. Uh, He was trying to make kind of a running, charging throw and, and just made a bad throw so the official score on that play they actually gave Drury a hit they said he probably was going to be safe anyways the throw allowed him to go to second right the error in the throw overthrow allowed him to move up so it's a single and then advances on an error so therefore he reached on his own so therefore it's an earned run against Giolito when the two-run home run goes up so that solves the mystery for you there, Marlon. Uh, Marlon would go on to then hammer Tito for, you know, strong Gallagher, uh, you know, his bench, uh, his bullpen, why using Xavier Curry there. Um, I think I, I, I'm going to move on. Um, I, he says, I completely forgot Jose Tano was on the active roster. Why is he on the roster if he never plays? Wouldn't it be more beneficial for him to play every day at Columbus than of putting in a rare cameo in the majors? You know, I, he played already, like, a, he got a ton of minor AAA at-bats. And he is one of the September call-ups. Um, you know, they're allowed to expand the rosters by two in September now. So he's one of your September call-ups. And, and frankly, he's probably had enough at-bats in Columbus. It's probably better for him to be here uh, 
Andre Knott said that he's been shadowing Jose Ramirez like ev- everywhere. He's he's been soaking it all in and learning from him and shadowing him everywhere. So honestly, at this point, with a couple weeks left, that's probably more beneficial than a few extra plate appearances in Columbus. So similar to what they did with uh, Bo Naylor last year, uh, with a few more weeks to go, get him up here, let him experience it. You know, let him get us some real time here and not just called up. Uh, for like a week in the what was it like a week he was here in the middle of the season, so he's getting some real experience and he's gonna be he's gonna be a real one in the mix uh, next year. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Marlon, thank you for the email. Let's wrap this one up. I can't believe I did a half hour episode on this uh, on this really really bad baseball game. So I hope you've enjoyed the conversation. The final again from Anaheim, specifically Anaheim, not Los Angeles. It's the Angels 6, the Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know how you're feeling as the season winds down. If you have any other questions like Jeff and Columbus did, go ahead and fire them at me. Give us some conversations here as this season winds down. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.